Welcome to Brillante, the podcast with a French accent which gives a voice to women who move the lines. My name is Jeanne Dussartel, and between Zurich, where I live, and Paris, where I come from, my goal is to meet the sparkling, powerful, talented and inspiring women with atypical backgrounds and beautiful projects, to understand what drives them and makes them move forward. Discussions that I hope will encourage you to think outside the box, cross your boundaries, and develop your own brilliant projects. She leads three magnificent projects at the crossroads between the worlds of art and humanitarian work between Zurich, Paris, and Kenya. Charlotte von Stotzingen is one of those women, always overwhelmed and yet able to respond to requests in the second and with a smile. She's the head of the Zurich Art Weekend, which highlights the art scene of the economic capital of Switzerland just before Art Basel, one of those cultural events that have been directly affected by the COVID crisis. But Charlotte only remembers the positive effects of the past few months. I think it was like a call, you know, like to humanity to say, okay, let's uh, work in sustainable ways. Let's uh, live in sustainable ways. Let's think of the bigger goods. Let's get together to, to overcome this, this, this real problem affecting all of us. In Paris, she created with four other women, Thanks for Nothing, a philanthropic association which mobilizes artists of the world of culture using the power of attraction of art to support social projects. But that's not all. In Kenya five years ago, Charlotte created with her husband and other family members Startup Lions and Learning Lions, two non-profit organizations whose goal is to encourage young adults in Kenya to learn about technology and to develop their own freelance activities or startup from home. Together, we look back at each of these projects, their origin, development and financing. In the course of the discussion, I understand how Charlotte managed to create a career for herself from scratch, linking her need for commitment with a lifelong passion, art. Charlotte explains me the specificities of the Zurich art scene. So you have um, not only big and pioneering institutions for Switzerland and Europe, but you also have some of the most important galleries worldwide and an incredible scene of those so-called off spaces or project spaces which are populating the city and, and like nourishing like a real creation happening all around. Together, we debate the role of galleries and museums today and we talk about the democratization of art and education. The discussion is rich, engaged, a true exchange which will make you feel good and will allow you, I hope, to draw from the words of Charlotte the strength to perhaps also create your own projects and get involved. With the added bonus, of course, of a double French accent, which will surely make you smile. Enjoy! Dear Charlotte, thank you very much for accepting my invitation on this podcast. So, as you know, my aim is to make the sparkling woman speak. And to start with, I wanted to know what did you think when you heard this name, Brillante? And do you have an example of a sparkling woman like this? Someone that inspires you daily, maybe? That you would like to talk about? Oh, this is a very good question. So first, thank you for, um, for inviting me. I'm very, um, I'm glad to have, uh, to make this exercise for the first time. So someone who I found really, uh, brillante. Um, it's a really difficult question because like, like I'm looking to so many, um, so many people, but like one person that's really standard. Um, but, um, I'm, I'm, um, 
I'm thinking of um, when I when I do things is Mother Teresa, <laughs> just because she, um, uh, you know, she said this first. Okay, whatever you do, it's a drop uh, of contribution to you know the oceans of humanity or um, whatever is being done and created in the world. Okay, so you work daily thinking of Mother Teresa. I would not say I, would, I work daily thinking of Mother Teresa, but like if I, you know, if I even if it's like taking a little bit the contre-pied of, you know, who someone could think, you know, uh, is like, or could be described as someone brilliant. Yeah. I think she definitely is also in her complete humility and her, you know, who, someone who actually were looking for everything but shining. And at the end, you know, like spread this energy and love around her. Um, made it like being like a son, like really. No? Very nice example. So to start with, I, I want to just talk a bit about what's happening right now. We're just going out of the coronavirus crisis. Well, at least it's, uh, I'm not sure it's finished, but uh, we had difficult times. And I know that it has been uh, certainly impacting all your activities. I'm thinking of the Zurich Art Weekend that we are going to talk about. But how do you feel? And uh, yeah, <laughs> I think it's an amazing period. I think it's extremely uh, interesting period. Um, like as ever in chaos, um, you have a lot of um, things that getting like deconstructed and um, even uh, destroyed and crushed, and the good things, but but bad things as well. And um, and in the middle of a chaos, you always uh, have opportunities. And, um, and, and I think it was like a call, you know, like to humanity to say, okay, let's, uh, work in sustainable ways. Let's, uh, live in sustainable ways. Um, let's think of the bigger goods. Let's get together to, to overcome, um, this, 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 this real problem affecting all of us. So you really saw like something changing for you in your, in your daily life. Like you really think that this has been impacting, like there is more solidarity and, and. Definitely. Definitely, yeah. Do you have examples? So I would say, you know, like for me personally, like if I would manage, you know, to really take the steps and, uh, and, and, and you know, like what I've seen and what I've learned in this time, like spending more time with my family, um, having more time to reflect on things instead of like being like always in action. Um, I hope I will be able to carry it um, for a longer period of time. Um, but, but professionally and in, in the different like organization I'm into, Uh, definitely so it has been um it's it, it has been a moment where we could finally stop um where we had to to think better of like everything we were doing like thinking okay what is the essence of of what we do and how do we want to to bring it out um and and for this it's it's been like very 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 fruitful do you have a concrete example um I mean, professionally. Yes, me. yes. So, um, for example, as, as you were mentioning it, um, so taking the Zurich Art Weekend, um, it is like art is a bubble, and we could witness really in this um, in this time that people and 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 um, different venues um, and 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 actors of the art world in this time were like finally. you know, really getting together, organizing themselves, and and acting solidarity. They were all very creative and inventive, and it was quite amazing to witness that as the spaces, all the spaces were closed, so the museum spaces were closed, the, the gallery spaces were closed, like they, they still had like to, to, to pursue their, their mission, and, um, and all of them then had to, to find new ways, innovative ways to do so. 
and and suddenly um like in very different ways like they were like an amazing production uh, production of of content happening like um uh, curators from the moma suddenly being you know like on channel accessible, ac accessible authentic you know speaking like about the the maybe essence of their work and essence of uh, of what they're doing you know for 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 in, in their professional careers um to everyone and you know it's something that that you normally don't have access to because either you you're lucky and you can access to the conference which is very um neutral and very impersonal or you suddenly had the possibility to to just be online from your living room or from wherever you were and listen to to someone speaking from his room and uh, I, I would even say that for me sometimes these experiences are not accessible to everyone because it's difficult to make art become really democratic like it's not so easy for everyone from every milieu from every surrounding to even enter a gallery mm -hmm. and suddenly when it's just on social medias or on, on tv or mm -hmm. something that everyone can access then maybe it's easier to to really understand what's happening behind mm -hmm. yeah yeah, yeah you're touching like a really true point and i think this is also like one of the core questions of like every museum in the world is like they have uh, one of their mission um, is to educate and 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 one of their like objective is like to get this content to to everyone to children to to people in in difficult situations and as you're saying like most of those people generally they don't go to the museum so suddenly they had also to really rethink how they they yeah they 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 bringing this content out that I found like really interesting because like this suddenly everyone was pushed to do and act online whereas like the, the in the art world it's always been like you know reluctant to it somehow so we were really behind yeah because i mean now you see all the good part of it but i, I guess it was also a struggle this crisis like for you uh, your your plans for the zurich art weekend have been cancelled then you've decided to finally keep the weekends that were planned in, in June and then you've been moving the official weekend in September and the Art Basel was supposed to be also in September but in the end it was cancelled. Um, quite difficult. And you still have to kind of manage this situation with a lot of uncertainty, I guess. And part of it is going to be how do you show art in the future? How, how are you going to do? And do you really believe that uh, this uh, non-material like this uh, online uh, works for art. Do you really believe that you can show art like this? And I, continue no, like I this? think nothing can replace the physical experience. I think you have to to really experience the art like physically. There is an energy uh, that comes out of the artworks and that you are like out of performances and, like, and that you can't experience online. But I think online tools um, and, and it can bring content for you to get a better understanding of what you see then or, or can can bring you the envy to finally discover i don't know a museum or works like, like before going to an exhibition reading about the artist and reading about the exhibition so you have yeah, a better but in understanding. a very light way because the, that has been also the problem that um, there were like many publications but but I, I, like when we talk about this kind of like population like no one reads and like even for each of us it's it's reading is like we do that all day long already and then not many people like you Take know, have the, the luxury exactly yeah, yeah. To understand a bit more who you are, I wanted to know where do you come from? Where were you born and raised? Okay, so I was born in Limoges, and I was like mostly raised there um, until I um, went to like boarding school and then and then study. 
What, how was it to, to be raised there? Um, it was um, it was like a total freedom, like being uh, like in the middle of the nature most of the time. And um, like we were traveling a lot with my parents, but um, uh, but as we were there, yes, it was like riding horses every day and, uh, you know, like having this typical countryside life, you can imagine. And you moved to Paris later or you moved to big cities later? Yes. So like actually, um, so I went to boarding school first uh, in Blois, uh, which I enjoyed a lot. It was like kind of like a particular setting, but uh, I really enjoyed it. And then afterwards, I moved to uh, to Germany, actually, to start my study. And then afterwards, um, France and, and and later on okay. the UK. And what did you want to become as a as a kid? I think I was like pretty much onto very uh, practical. Um, I, I think I wanted to become a nurse <laughs> as a kid, or maybe a horse rider or something like that. Well, it's funny because you so you wanted to become a nurse, but then you, when I when I look at your what you've done as studies and then uh, as a work, you first went to business school. Yeah. And uh, art came actually quite late. Yeah. Maybe in the second, yeah, second step. Yeah. So what what made you change? Why did you actually? actually art was there all the time. So art, you know, since like um, I don't know, like uh, since the age of six or seven, you know, like I was in a like art studio painting like every weekend, and then later on, like always took it, you know, as an option at school. Do you have artists in your family? No. So I you don't, were the only but one. like my parents, like like always dragged like us along, you know, like at museum to museums and whatever, you know, wherever we would go, you know, would be part of those kids, you know, like <laughs> like spending their lives like visiting exhibitions. But no, no artists, like more like they're more into music. Uh -huh. mm. So you you were always like uh, connected to art, but then it's you thought maybe it's is it too I scary or is it uh, not secure enough to go into art for real or what was your what did you think? When you, when yes, you... I really, you know, like as I finished, you know, like as I had my um, baccalaureate, I just thought I'm a, I had no clue, you know, what I wanted to do. And then and then my, my, my strategy was I must do something as broad as possible, you know, to not have any closed door. You know, that was my, uh, so I was like, either it's for economics, law or history. Okay. You know, that was like the, the three options I was like considering. So you went to a business school in France? Mm -hmm. Then Germany? Germany yeah. And then in your master's, you actually decided to go to art, right? Yes, exactly. So exactly. So it's like after uh, my business studies, I basically realized, okay, what I'm actually interested in um, is art or humanitarian work. And I was like, ah, oh, let's um, let's let's first try with art. And then I, I discovered like history of art, and I was like, okay, this is actually what I, I want to study. And you went to London for this master's. Yeah. Why London? Um, I don't remember what uh, motivated my child. I think I um, I wanted to, you know, I heard of like a very good fans studying in that school and who really spoke highly about it. And they told me about this discussion group, you know, where you would be eight students, you know, in the class with the, the teacher going to museums, you It's know. It's the like, Courtauld yeah. Institute of Art. Yeah. yeah. And I thought this is amazing. And so I, I thought, okay, this is what I, I want to experience as well. Okay. Yeah. And what do you take from these studies that you've done? Do you still have, uh, did you learn something specific that you're using every day or that you really took out? Yes, a lot of things. Um, I think, you know, this analytical perspective you get uh, when looking at an artwork. This was very, and, and, and how to articulate it. 
even if I'm not using it in my daily jobs and my daily activities. But, um, you know, generally when I look at art, that's what's happening in my head. Yeah. So then you start your career. After your master's, you went into art. Mm -hmm. uh, I thought that you were in the, for instance, the Swiss church uh, in London, but also in, La fun, yeah. in La Fiac. Yeah. Uh, in, in Paris, also in Geneva for four years for a well-known uh, gallery. Mm -hmm. Art advisor, yeah, Marc Blondeau, yeah. yeah. Um, but then you changed and you went to Humanitarian mm -hmm. and you created, I think, together with your husband, mm -hmm. uh, Startup Lions and Learning Lions. Mm -hmm. Can you explain me a bit? So you were already in, always <laughs> in between what was happening in your head and why do you kind of... You kind of make your masters, you are really going into arts. I have the feeling it's what you really want to do. But then after five years, okay, no, I changed my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not like this. You know, I think, you know, everything takes, takes more time. It's a longer process. And actually it was a dream I had since ever and that I share with my husband. Uh, like back in the, in the days, he was not yeah, my husband. But um, well, actually, so when we did it, we were already married. Um, but we had this dream of uh, yeah, getting engaged for a time uh, for social humanitarian work. And at some point, you know, like we were both very comfortable in our respective jobs. And we thought, okay, this is the moment where we have to now go because uh, later we'd be too late or just impossible. Yeah, when you are parents or we're in... Exactly. So, um, so we d decided both to quit um, and, um, and go for a project that would really be something that, that we would be able to carry on for our lives as a... Not the sole family project we had or, or now have, but um, but also to have something else apart from that. Um, Can you explain a bit what what was the project? What is the project actually? Because it's still yeah, existing. Yeah, so 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 the project is about educating young people in the ICT skills for them to become financially independent and work from wherever they are and they they live from their from from their home region basically. And home region, which is like in a really lost so part like, of Kenya. It, exactly. So like the project um, is in Turkana, Kenya. So it's like the, one of the poorest region in Kenya, uh, northern part, bordering South Sudan and Ethiopia and, um, and Uganda, um, where there is absolutely nothing. So it's so remote. You don't even have a road um, going there from Nairobi. Um, and, and you have two million inhabitants. 75% of them are below 25 years of age. Um, they're quite well educated because Kenya invested a lot in the last 10 years into education. So um, I would not say that most of them have a um, baccalaureate, but but a good part of that of those uh, young people had the chance to, to go to school and, and have a baccalaureate. But after, that they have absolutely no perspective. And the idea of the project is to give them perspective in the region where they're coming from. So explain me, you were working in Geneva in your really comfortable job and then you decide to create this. You move to Africa. Yeah. Uh, so the, the what's happening? <laughs> yeah. How also, how do you take, I mean, how do you take the decision? Means, because it means also like finding money for this. Yeah. Uh, finding, like changing everything. Yeah. 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 So we started really from scratch. So the idea was not ours. So basically, So we were, uh, you know, ready to invest our time and our, our competences into a project. And our, and suddenly I had these, these cards and they were like looking at projects all around the world. And, uh, like, and they were like amazing projects all over, but we couldn't decide for one or the other. And then suddenly I have this cousin of mine who was um, um, in that region doing like a very basic development projects like 
building hospitals, building schools, and who who is witnessing this whole situation in rural Africa. And so it's okay, one should kind of invent a concept um, that could work for rural Africa to enable like the young people of Africa to become motors of their economies. And because there's a little bit geek, it's sort of this this kind of crazy project. You know, you bring computer in this most remote part of Kenya, so you have to imagine it's a desert. And you teach my city and they're and and in the hope to 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 let them become freelancer. And he just needed like person to help him on that way. And um, and so we 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 came there, uh, but with no at the beginning, you know, like the life expectation of the project was like a near to zero. Um, but uh, how did you find the money for fight to finance so the, the first project? money we found uh, was like uh, through crowdfunding so we organized a crowdfunding and uh, like we, we were needing like 100k and we got it I think this is going to be one of your specialties in the <laughs> future <laughs> finding money finding for money. projects exactly <laughs> <laughs> yeah no like luckily it's not it's not like the only thing I do because otherwise it would be quite boring or stressful Stressful, I guess, yes. Yeah. And is it working, this project? Yes. Is it successful? Like, now it's like amazingly working, yeah. Like So now so the project exists since five years. So it was like um, five like very uh, wrenching uh, years where, where we learned a lot. Um, it was not easy, it was not given because it was not reproducing anything existing somewhere else. Like the condition like were extreme because you have to imagine there... Um, the young people it start from there like the young people they don't have a role model you know they don't know exactly what it means to work online you know they, they grow up in society where you, you don't have you know they're, they're not even cars on the streets there is just nothing you know so you really start from scratch and we had actually no clue how to how to develop it so it was quite tough but we kind of like managed through the years and then um, what helped us a lot is that we won the Google Impact Challenge some years ago And uh, what is it exactly? The Google Impact Challenge. So it was like Google um, has this, this prize that they, they're giving out like once a year um, to uh, retribute the best um, tech and impact project defined. Um, and and this, is, was, this was the first um, prize, like for like the, the first time for Africa. So it was uh, like out of 5,000 organizations selected um, all around Africa. Um, so they did a due diligence on us and then, and then after like a very long process of nearly a year, uh, we were accredited with this prize, which gave us like a credibility that we didn't have before because the, the first question everyone would ask us was like, why don't you first give them, um, food, water and food? Water. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> why do you, why do you want to bring them computer? Like how stupid is that? So it was difficult to, and, and then the second question would be, does it work? <laughs> <laughs> so if you have like an organization like, like Google, Google giving, giving like a this, certification like exactly like the two stamps of it's the best project we found for IT and impact in Africa it's it's helping um, so yes, you went there you went in Africa for two years so no like on the ground we just spent one year um, but uh, like um, because now like the co-founders so they, they like we now six so we started we were It's like a family business now? It's not a family business, but yes, it was a kind of a family project then because like my brother-in-law also joined like from the beginning and uh, um, and then, uh, yeah, then uh, like two, three more over time. 
And now it's like, a, I would say it's a community project because our, it started with a few of us and now we're getting more and more and more. And there is like a huge community now of like volunteers and, and especially like long-term involved and recurring volunteers of uh, 40 to, to 50 people um, working on the project. Um, so, and now, so we have, um, so within those five years, we have had like 250 young lions, we call them lions, went through the program and uh, yeah, about um, 80 of them are now like financially independent. So they they earn sufficient money for them and their family to to, to be able to live a good life. And, uh, nice. No, yeah. no. So you're still engaging some of your time for the project? Because now you, are, you also are working on two big projects, Thanks for Nothing and Zurich Art Weekend. So how do you organize your time? Do you? Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so I, yeah, I, yeah, I, I, I thought to worry, to to spend my time as a yeah to I don't know if it's it's still a question I have you know like how I should organize myself it's difficult. So yes, Africa I'm still involving a lot of time especially as we now building a big uh, campus for 300 uh, students like in the middle of nowhere with the architect Francis Kai, and um, and this is gonna come out of the ground next year in February. So um, uh, this is quite a um, yeah, big step and, yeah. and time-consuming as well. Yeah. Okay. But then in 2017, I think, you together with uh, four other girls uh, in Paris, completely mm-hmm. other projects, coming back to art, you created this, um, this uh, philanthropic association called Thanks for Nothing. You can maybe explain us with your words what is it exactly? Yeah. What is what is exactly the project about? What was the original idea? Yeah. So actually, it was you know there were like bridges. You know, it was not not coming to the art, but it was. Um, so I was back in the days. Like I, so I was, I was back in Europe, and um, I had this uh, this idea and um, and willingness to bridge uh, the art and and humanitarian causes, and. Um, and as I as I came back from Kenya, so I shared this idea with this friend of mine, Blanche de Lestrange, who was a who's um, now still in the yeah in the association. Yeah, yeah exactly. And uh, and I think like a few months later, uh, as she was talking about that um, with Marine, like Marine, I think also had something like this in mind. And so we thought, okay, then you know, let's do it together. And um, so they were friends of yours, like uh, since. So Blanche since. was a friend of mine since ever, and Marine was a friend of Blanche since ever, okay. kind of. And Blanche kind of brought us together, yeah. And so, yeah, and the project started, and it was like the first project that, that, that was very concrete. Um, it was this um, uh, exhibition at the Palais Tokyo and auction, We so, Dream Under the Same Sky. Um, no, but just, I mean, now like you're talking, project, you are yeah. three. Mm-hmm. And yeah. you, you, like, young women with uh, experience in art, decide to create something that is going to... It's it's a very new concept. I mean, maybe it exists somewhere else, but at least I think in Paris it was a very new concept. How do you do? What uh, what are the first steps? Like you you have this first event in Palais Tokyo, but what was the real idea? Was it planned, for instance, that it was only women? But it's planned that you? No, of course not. No, 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 of course not. And and so as we started, it was um, so it was you know like again you know like people coming together for like maybe their own reason, for, you know, like their own belief, their own idea, their own past. And then suddenly you find yourself at the same crossroad at the same time. 
And, um, and that's how, you know, this adventure was engaged. And we had this very concrete project uh, of this, um, uh, like, for this, this refugee association. It was very taboo back in the days, you know, in France, you know, no one would touch on the topic. And so they would get no help. Um, and so we worked very, you know, precisely for that project the first year where we got together, you know. So, so for the like everything Tokyo? was exactly. So, oh, so yeah. what was it exactly? So it was an exhibition. So it was like, like artists giving works, being exhibited in a museum and then um, a sales at auction to support five NGOs working on the sides of refugee at different moments of their past. And how successful was the project? And this project was very successful. And, and, and this project like gave them the, you know, the, the, the fundamentals and the wings a little bit to what was to come in the future. Um, because we all realized, you know, that everyone would, for a bigger cause, have no problem to get together. And suddenly you would find museums and galleries and auction houses and collaborating what uh, you would you would normally not really see uh, not at this scale at least and everyone we approached every single artist they were like only big names and and ask you know like for them to donate something um would all of them you know re respond positively and on top we then suddenly realized, you know, like people were coming out with stories. I'm actually a son of a refugee or my grandfather was also a refugee. And I feel it's, it was it was very interesting to see how personal it, it would get instead of, you know. And I have a question, like, as you wanted to link these two topics that are interesting you since the beginning, uh, art and philanthropic uh, humanitarian associations, is there something in, in the art world that is not uh, philanthropic enough? Is, it, is, is there also something that you were denunciating? Not at all, no. I really think, you know, with their... Um, like, the, the, the artists, you know, they have uh, this position a little bit, like, outside society, which enabled us to... Uh, enable them to, to have a different look. And, 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 and their means of expression, uh, you know, enables more people, you know, to, to gather around it and, and get a different perspective and understanding maybe of their surrounding world while looking at art and like like the starting point was really um let's use the voice of the artists to get people together for important cause that was the idea behind the, the project do you do you have one one other like uh, experience that you've done with uh, thanks for nothing that you can tell us about like something that was really like touching you or for which you were really working hard Um, because it's it's like it's existing since 2017 so three years already yeah. you just actually celebrated the three yeah, years exactly and get, i had the feeling it's getting bigger and bigger you just i mean the association just won the prize in in paris in the 14th arrondissement of paris to kind of reorganize a huge space of 4,000 square meters uh, and to dedicate it to to art like and solidarity mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, so it, it's getting, it's taking more and more importance, isn't it? Isn't it? Yeah. What I think is like the the great thing that we're witnessing is all these different public that were not exchanging before with each other suddenly gets to exchange, you know, like and gets a platform to exchange with each other, and they nourish each other in an amazing way. For example, like another project we did um, um, some times ago was there the Nuit Blanche in 2018. Um, For the environment. It was not for the environment. It was the, this was last year, so it was the year before. It was like to support different association 
who were working alongside um, most of the time, like population, like in, in difficulties and gathering for them like cultural objects. So it could be books, it could be music instruments, it could be. And so we invited artists to perform during the Nuit Blanche from six in the evening until two um, in the night. And the artists were performing. So on the roads where we built like really huge stages where the association um, would be for once present. So we reversed the, you know, the idea of like the spectrum, exactly yeah. the spectrum, and um, and and you know like this joy you witness in in artists, you know, participating in such a thing for the just the good cause, and um, and the association being really touched for like to suddenly be a little bit in the light, you know, like most of these volunteers that work for um, association, m most of the time, you know, like there is no one whom they can share. Um, with what they're doing and, and, and no one who is really interested, you know, like in. That's maybe the, the, the clever idea, like to take the sparkling part of the arts because it is yeah, always interesting. Art, art, yeah, art, exactly. art interests, art, of course, yeah. And if we talk about the, the last project that you have, that's because uh, you are running these three projects all together <laughs> on your daily life, as we said. And the last project that you were creating, I think, just one year after, starting just one year after, is the Zurich Art Weekend. Mm hmm. It was in 2018, isn't it? Yes, it was in 2018. So this started, um, it was initiated by... In this time, just to know, you were between Paris and Zurich or you were... What were you doing in, in Zurich? Why did you suddenly arrive in Zurich? Because like after Kenya, either, it's like where I landed back in Europe. Yeah. And... Um, because of uh, Because of a project of or? my husband, yes. Yeah. Yeah, no. And so yes, I was between uh, I was between Paris and Zurich, uh, but based here, and I wanted to get engaged as well here in the local scene, and um, and so like you know encounters. If suddenly you know put on my way the Zurich Art Weekend that was to build up, uh, or to be built up, and uh, and so we started, and in three months we had three so months to put up the first yours, edition. But you were the one that's the, the the first one to really work on the project, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. So what did you have to do? What what <laughs> everything so you like you know from from uh, you know getting the scene together here so the museums the galleries the art spaces um, to um, initiating with them together or in collaboration like events um, you know to really make um, to really place the rake on the world art map before Art Basel so to enable you know like to here the city to get organized to basically offer like really amazing time for people you know coming from all over the world and, and what what is the advantage of Zurich why was it a good idea for Zurich I think you know we have like we're very um, uh, there is here like a uh, like very interesting art scene it's the biggest city in, in Switzerland so you have um, not only um, big and pioneering institutions for Switzerland and Europe but you also have um, uh, some of the most important galleries worldwide Uh, being based here and an incredible scene of those so-called off spaces or project spaces, which are um, non-profit run spaces by artists or curators um, and which are like populating the city and, and like nourishing like a real creation happening all around. So you kind of spotted that something had to be created there, but you... And but there were these, these amazing timing of Art Basel, of course. Yes. So because the Zurich Art Weekend is always always the weekend preceding Art Basel. Yes. Yeah. So you yes. always like you benefit from all the people that are visiting the Art Basel. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. To to and you, who want to take 
little bit more, you know, time maybe before, you know, and get deep down in the arts, you know, like and visit, um, you know, to have the time to discuss with like curators, to with galleries, to meet artists, to see exhibition in the spaces, you know, it's a very different format than a fair. And um, I mean, in in all the cities in Europe, I, I, I would say even uh, the most the biggest cities all over the world, there are these uh, gallery weekends where all the galleries are uh, like uh, gathering and doing these events during the one weekend to make sure that uh, I mean to also create noise. And to what extent is Zurich Art Weekend something different? Um, I think what's, you know, like what is very particular to each one of those cities is like the, the geographical location, in fact, you know, and what's happening here. So um, as I started the Zurich Art Weekend, as I started, we didn't create anything in like the quality of the content was pre-existent, of course. Um, so it's just a matter, you know, to organize to out of it, you know, like make a like interesting program and uh, and get, you know, like all these actors to play together. And for the Zurich Art Weekend, it's not only galleries together. It's more than this. So you have exactly all the institutions, all the yeah. curators. Um, you, are, you have like all these off spaces with, with like this younger scene, you know, which is behind it. And again, how do you finance such a project? Yeah, so again, so yes, you have to look for money. <laughs> so you're back. Um, so uh, private money, so sponsoring and um, our partners. Yeah. And then, like each member, like participating member, pays a fee uh -huh. um, to to support the initiative. Okay. Mm. Um, I wanted to know also. I mean, the the art world is evolving a lot, mm -hmm. and uh, galleries are not always in really good condition. But indeed, as you just said, Zurich still has a lot of really big galleries. Uh, it's not only Zurich, but in Switzerland. Uh, there are really big galleries also in Engadin, for instance. There are many like huge galleries. And how would you describe the economy of art here in Switzerland? I mean, I think it's, um, I think again, it's, it's, it's quite interesting to see which kind of uh, perspective and view people have on the, the art markets. Because, like, of course, they're the newspaper, they're full of these amazing stories, paintings being sold for millions and millions. But these are always the exception of the art market. So the art market, you know, like it's a, it's a very complex ecosystem that starts actually with the off spaces and, you know, a few artworks being sold uh, for a few hundred uh, francs or dollars or whatever. And then later on, you have the galleries, you know, with younger artists also just sold for a few thousands uh, francs or dollars. And then, and then eventually, you know, some of them, few of them, you know, like really making then Uh, big numbers and and getting them to auction and then being part of this, but it's it's this um, yeah a little bit like bling bling maybe around it and like those those big prizes from time to time at auctions uh, which are published you know which uh, makes well, it like yeah. I think it's a mix because uh, in the medias we of course we see and we read about these big stories we read about the fact that there are so many like uh, incredible uh, galleries where where pieces of art are sold for thousands and thousands of of dollars but it also for me really often I have the feeling when I enter a gallery that it's difficult it's uh, it can be a difficult experience you can be alone in the gallery there is this atmosphere that's quite uh, selective mm -hmm. uh, it's not like a really democratic place yeah but you have to imagine first like like for example galleries they are like open to the public all the time 
you know, there are not many businesses. Well, it's a gallery, of course, you know, like it's a principle of being a gallery, you know, showing works. But, you know, they make this effort of like paying someone who is at the door, you know, for if, to enable anyone to enter and, and, to and see exactly then that the, this person doesn't jump on you, you know, like as you enter or, you know, receive you with a glass of water, you know, in which other context would you see that? You so know? for you, the aim is not to make it more democratic galleries. They have to to stay this kind of elite uh, place. Not, no, not elite, but um, reserved to certain kind of people that really know about art, that really know about what they are coming to see. They don't. It's just you, that you, you don't see what I mean when I, I meet. See, yeah, I kind of see what you mean, but it's true that the galleries, they they are like very important, you know, like actor of the culture. You know, but, you know, they're already making this effort of like being open, you know, like all day and all week long. And you have to imagine most of the time, you know, they're very uh, small entities, you know, like I don't know what's their like average number of employees per galleries, but I would not be surprised if it would be two or three um, or even one. I don't know, you know, but it must be. Uh, um, so, but, but this, you know, like education part, like with, you know, someone welcoming you, giving you a tour. Explaining um, you what's exactly behind. so uh, this is like the job of museums you know like the, the museum they're paid by the city to to do that job you know um now would be great of course if we would like exist also in galleries you know and i think maybe now after covid you know one could see since to visit a gallery one had to take an appointment um some galleries have started to do that and this is of course i'm like a extremely happy about that I'm extremely happy about that. But what I want to say that um, I have the impression most of the time people expect a lot, you know, more from the galleries and the galleries in general they can do. You know what I mean? Because imagine if you're like, you're a gallerist, you're working in your um, little gallery, you know, you're making your, I don't know, maximum one exhibition a month, but most of the time it's like one exhibition every two months. You know, you're struggling to, to help your artists sell your artworks, do your daily administration stuff you have to do. So imagine, you know, like the, like their, their life. Um, and then on top, you know, you should make yourself available every time someone enters your gallery. You know what I mean? Yeah, maybe it's, um, it's maybe it's actually, actually something that has to be done also by the state. Maybe maybe it is part of it. I don't know. Maybe it's my, my really French way of thinking. But anyways, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I think museums are there, there for, and I think no, yeah. actually, you know, now so what we are like um, so launching during the the, the Zurich Art Weekend, or we're not launching it, but like since 2018 we're doing that, that we're organizing art tours. So we, you know, instead of having one guide for one place or one guide in one museum or for one exhibition, we have like guides that take the public and it's like open to the public. I, I went there last year and indeed it was like really for the. It's not for the first time, but then suddenly you realize why are these people here. Why are they kind of in this gallery, and uh, and you understand what's happening? Yeah, what is the story behind? Yeah. Which is super nice. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, but I completely understand this frustration you have. You know, like don't get me wrong, but uh, but therefore, like now, like we we started this tour yeah. to to enable you know like a bigger border public you know to get access to to knowledge. So until now, we were holding this tour just during the weekends, and now we would like actually to extend it all year long. Ah, so what? Uh, that was going to be my question. What is yeah. your plan for the next few years for the Zurich Art Weekend? Um, what do you mean by all year long? I mean, do you... Do so, you really like, the, the Zurich Art Weekend, it always remain like, the point of focus in the year. 
uh, in Zurich, so where the the entire art scene gathers and offer the world the best of what it does. Um, but the art scene is here present all year, and we want to enable the public to profit from it as well, better like all year round. So. Um, we're now launching two initiatives. One is these um, those art tours with different typologies that we will offer all year long, so different aim, and and art for lunch. So it's like forty five minutes where you can go. It's it's about like meeting basically the uh, the actors of the art world. So you go to one gallery and and you you have forty five minutes with the gallerists and the artists. To, to really get um, like a, have a deep focus into one single exhibition. Well, that goes with <laughs> what we were talking about, like making it more understandable. Yes, 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 yes. So no, I, we, I, I definitely see, you know, like this need of uh, democratization. But yeah, I think, you know, like each city, each, um, or like the ecosystem, you know, should get organized. And, and so here it's like a little tiny part that we, we play. <laughs> What would you say is the biggest challenge that you're facing? With the Zurich Art Weekend? Yeah. Um, but I'm also interested in knowing this for Thanks for Nothing, for instance. Hmm. Good question. Um, most of the time it's like with very little means, trying to, you know, like make the best. And it's, 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 they're all very small organizations and enables you to, like it, it, it requires to be like very innovative and very creative. You know, like as 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 you f like confront any challenge, you know, if you manage to overpass it, then you're stronger after. But on the moment, it's 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 yeah, it's sort of challenging. <laughs> and I guess there is also something that must be challenging is that you are basically with your three projects we've been talking about. You are between Kenya, Paris, and Zurich. So, how basically do you do? Do you have one day dedicated to one project, or do you? No, it's like an ongoing process, like for everything. And I think it's it's. Um, Um, with two kids also yeah with two kids as well yeah yeah so I just take it you know as it comes and there and then with the time you know like I kind of learned to uh, like prioritize better and uh, yeah all those projects are quite ambitious they, even if they are small like you say like they have the ambition to to live for many years and to be really persistent um, aren't you scared sometimes no I would be scared if it would be the opposite right If, uh, you know, like if I would have the impression, you know, I'm, I'm working for something uh, that has absolutely no future, that would be terrible. And financially, how do you, how, aren't you sometimes thinking like, okay, it would be actually nice to work uh, uh, with a real job in a, in a, <laughs> Definitely. a not a real job, but in a real big company with a salary that's coming every month. And Yeah, more than the salary, because most of my engagement are kind of like volunteers. Um, it's it's the the stability, you know, like or just the the possibility to say, okay, I'm I'm going on vacation, and uh, you know, I won't touch my computer for a month, and 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 you know, this is completely normal and accepted. Um, or, or you know, like the possibility to be sick as well, you know, uh -huh. because in my activities, like um, this is you very stop. exactly, I cannot stop. So even if when I have to stop, it's very difficult. Um, you know, I still have to yeah to be connected. Even pregnant, you have to organize events. And, uh, <laughs> exactly. Another question is about the network. Um, I guess this also all this organization also comes with a network that has that is for sure super important uh, for everything to work all together. How do you do to maintain, develop your network in between several cities like this? 
And there is something that I, li- a concept that I like, uh, this concept of sorority, sisterhood, you know, this kind of uh, solidarity that exists between women, maybe. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking of it because you are working with women uh, for the Thanks for Nothing, and you are also engaged for women some, in some projects in this association. Um, yes. What, what's your hint on it? Uh, to be honest, I don't have any hint on that one. <laughs> so, uh, you know, it, you it, yeah, no, like on, um, so, you know, but uh, like some projects I'm doing, um, solely with, um, with women just came, you know, like naturally, you know, like uh, all the projects, you know, yeah, that came, you know, it was not by choice. Um, even if, you know, we appreciated a lot, you know, to, uh, so I, you know, it, like startup lines, for example, I would say maybe there are more men in the organization. Thanks for nothing. More girls. And then here in Zurich, it's kind of like mixed. Maybe more girls here as well. So I love working with girls. Huh? Don't take me wrong, but um, it was not, you know, like... A... Actually, there are many girls in art. There are many girls in the art. Yeah, the true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I don't know why, but in fact... So and like, the, yeah, the question of network. Um, I, I think, you know, it's, it's, it's like as you, as you work um, and, and as you're active, you know, you just develop your network. It's not something, you know... Yeah. You're not thinking like, okay, I must go to this event, I must meet these people, I must uh, stay active, I must uh, um, send amazing uh, messages, uh, organize lunches, <laughs> and I guess it's it's also it's like these are these are yes events and organization that really work like this also. Yes, yes, of course, but, but it's you like it, you do it's, it it's like exactly it's part of my job. So yeah. so I do it, you know, for what I'm doing. Yeah. So no tips. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just like maybe you know. Um, as I started my career, I was maybe afraid of writing, you know, to certain people. And now, and now is the time, you know, I'm realizing actually, you know, like the simpler you you go about things, the easier it is. So, and actually, you know, interesting people—they're always very open to to new things, new ideas, new. So it's also a filter, you know, like if someone doesn't reply, or so, then you think, okay, it's good like this. Yeah. Don't even have to insist. <laughs> yeah. That's a good tip. <laughs> I'm going to finish with uh, uh, short questions. Well, short questions, but you answer as you want. Um, in your opinion, what is the challenge of a woman today? Ah, oh, what's the challenge of a I think it's uh, to conciliate professional life and personal life. Professional life and personal life. Yeah, definitely. I think it's a huge challenge. Because still, I mean, I haven't heard yet of uh, a man being pregnant, <laughs> for example. <laughs> no, but seriously, um, yeah, still, you know, most of the things are on the shoulder of uh, of the mother. And, uh, and and I think maybe even generally, you know, maybe maybe even men see it like this. And, and, um, and to be disconnected as well. I think, I think the generation of our parents, you know, they... They were working when they were at the office, but then they would they would go out and or like on vacation, and then you know from that moment on they would not be connected anymore, and uh, and we are we are constantly connected, and it's very difficult to switch off. No. And what is the most important part of the education for you? What what is the most important thing that you want to teach your children and maybe especially your daughter? I think the amazing thing is that nowadays you can do whatever you want and whatever you like, but just go like to the very end of your ideas and, uh, and trust in yourself. If you were a man for 24 hours, what would you do? <laughs> um, yeah, I'd never asked myself the question. Uh, what would I do? Um, 
Yeah, I really have like a difficult time answering that question because I'm I'm thinking, what can they do that I cannot? Um, so I actually have no answer to that one. Yeah, you don't need to answer. No. That's fine. Uh, what are you afraid of? Um, I'm afraid of being late <laughs> because I'm always late. <laughs> Okay, that's maybe part of the, <laughs> again, the organization. And what are you proud of? Um, I'm immensely proud of my children, of course. What is it for you to succeed? I think to yeah to to realize your your project, uh, your your vision, uh, your dreams, and um, and being pissed with it as well. What inspires you? Do you have maybe a book, something you read, something you listen to, something to you're watching that inspires you in the daily life? Um, researchers inspire me generally because they're, um, I think it's it's amazing when when you search the unknown. You know, when you go to you work maybe and dedicate your entire life without knowing what you're gonna find. And um, and again, you know, I think you must be so humble, you know, to to act this way. So I'm, yeah, very inspired by there. Do you think of someone specifically, or in a project, specific project? Mm, no, no. Uh, not not in specific. No. And last but not least, who would you like to hear in this podcast? Oh, uh, I would like to hear artists. Do you have a name? Someone that uh, from Paris or from Zurich? Laurie Anderson. From New York. From Zurich, maybe I should take a... Uh, uh, I don't know, because... It has to be a woman, no? Exactly, it has to be a woman. So I was just thinking of woman artist from Zurich. Yeah, you could have a pipilotirist, for example. Cool. Yeah. I will think of it. <laughs> <laughs> Many thanks, Charlotte. Thanks to you, And Jeanne. yeah, have a nice evening. Yeah, you too, bye. That's it. The episode is over. I hope you've enjoyed it. To help me grow brilliant, feel free to rate this podcast with five stars and share it around you with your friends, family or colleagues. It's precious. And keep for yourself the advice that Charlotte gives to her children. Go to the very end of your ideas and trust in yourself. <laughs>